All right, Pacific, thank you so much for coming on the Small Lake City podcast. Uh, we were just talking before. It sounds like this is your first, of course, guest appearance on a podcast, but that you're not too familiar with podcasts in general. Not really. Um, to be honest, I'm kind of lost. <laughs> um, I'm actually like, I don't really do a lot of like recording my voice. I've done it before, and and it's something that I'm not used to. And this, I feel like something that I need to start learning to 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 do actually. Because I don't, to be honest, I don't like how my voice sounds sometimes. So it's it's been telling, it's been challenging for me to like record actually my own voice. So this is gonna be a new challenge, a new challenge actually to to do. Well, that's actually the number one thing that people say when I invite them to come on the podcast. Well, there's two main things. The first thing is like, oh, but. I don't, I don't like the sound of my voice, you know, recording my voice. I don't like the sound of my voice. And you know, I think we all get that. Sound, it kind of sounds weird even listening to my own voice in these headphones. And then the second thing is like, oh, I've got nothing important to say. Why do you want to talk to me on a podcast? And I think my response is always like, everybody has those interesting things and everybody has an opinion on what's going on in the world, what's going on in the community. So I think everybody's opinion is valid and we all need to hear from each other, especially when it comes to community. So thanks for doing this and thanks for coming on. Yeah, for um, sure. I always, well, not always, but sometimes I like to start by talking about our names because our name is like our origin, right? Like I was given my name, Peter Frost, because of family ties or whatever it might be. In your family, how do names come about? Is it all family names that were passed down from generation to ger generation, or how did how did you end up as Pacific Missy? <laughs> it's a good question. Um, our family names are kind of different, kind of like weird. Um, the way we name our kids is very, uh, I would call weird and kind of like different from you know how people do it in the in the West. Um, like my name Pacific came about I don't know my dad just um, maybe he was in, I don't know I think he was he was having a cool moment he was having less problems in his life and when I came about he was like well let's just name him Pacific which in French means Pacifique which means calm or like quiet uh -huh. yeah okay. it also means peace so I think that's the that's the main reason why you chose Pacific for that one reason he was looking for um, a name that has a meaning and the meaning of Pacific means peace well maybe, maybe he felt that in you when you came as a child because you you kind of personify that you like I've known you for I don't know how many years now but I've always like oh he's a chilled out guy he's you know always calm and peaceful <laughs> so maybe i don't know maybe he felt that or maybe you got named that and then you had a a role to fulfill you had to be calm you couldn't be opposite of calm because your name means calm <laughs> it could have been it could have been yeah it could have been chicken or the egg yeah because because yeah. over there they they name names um let's say like you have a let's say have a baby and it's a girl or a boy I can take the whole name from somebody else. Let's say, like, your name is Peter. Like, the last name is, how do you say the last name? Frost. Frost, yeah. And I just, I had a friend, or I have, like, a sibling. His name is Peter Frost. I can just take the whole Peter Frost and give to them. Okay. As first and last name. Okay. Meaning that 
you know, if you look at the birth certificate, we don't have the same last name, right. but you're still my child because right. I just give you the whole name. Right. So that it kind of works like that sometimes. Okay. Yeah. And you, you're referencing over there in the West, but your family is from, from where? So my parents, both of them were born uh, in the Congo. Okay. Uh, three of my brothers were also born in the Congo, and I was born in Tanzania. Okay. So... Um, little backstory, uh, you know, in the Congo, it's now it's not really secure out there. It's mm. like you know, it's it's, it's kind of like messy. Um, they ran the war from the Congo to Tanzania, and then when they got to Tanzania, about like couple months, you know, here I was born. So I was born in those little camps out there in, in Tanzania. That's pretty crazy. As a, I mean, obviously there's probably parts that you don't remember, but as a, as a family, a young family, your parents having to run from one country to another, and while they're still trying to build a family and have children, that's that's pretty crazy. I want to ask you more about that, but I'm also interested in uh, the geopolitics thing of, you know, working uh, or trying to understand. Just there's Congo. Then there's the Dem- Democratic Republic of Congo. Yeah, I think that's the same, same country. Same, same. Yeah. Okay. Is there a different designation? Because then, then there's even like uh, some people refer to as Congo. Uh, is there another one that people kind of refer to? Because sometimes when you talk to people from the Congo, they're like, "Oh yeah, from the Democratic Republic of the Congo." And I was like, "Same thing or different?" Or there's parts of the country that kind of people identify with or how does that work well actually i learned about this uh in english when you say the congo you mean the bigger country the democratic republic of the congo okay and then congo is the other country and they try to refer as brazzaville okay all right so there is the congo and there is congo brazzaville and their neighbors and their neighbors they're technically kind of like same people but they're just two different places. And was that division due to, like you, you talked about all this war and unrest, is that division due to some of that war and unrest that they kind of divided it that way? Not really. I think it's that has to do with uh, colonization. Okay. So, you know, the whole Africa was mm-hmm. colonized and, um, and European countries were cutting, you know, were cutting maps of the whole Africa. And it happened that those people that were cutting those countries, they just cut those... Uh, those two countries apart, uh, I think it was based on the tribes because it was like, oh, you, 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 you're now one country, even though you're different tribes. So it was like that. Right. So it's, I think it had to do more with uh, the interest of the Europeans. You know, they mm-hmm. were cutting through the whole Africa looking right. for the, you know, like um, resources and stuff. Yeah. So it was, they were cutting just based on how like they see it, they just cut those. I don't think it had to do anything with, with the people. Okay. Yeah, that is interesting. I've never quite been able to like wrap my brain around the Congo and then Congo Brazzaville. Yeah, Brazzaville. Yeah. Okay, interesting. So your family was from the Congo. The Congo. Sometimes they're called Belgian Congo. Belgian Congo. Yeah. Because the the Belgians were the one that colonized that region. You're right. And that's where that's why uh, one of the primary languages French as well. Yeah. What are some of the other languages? There's tons of languages. There is tons. Um, what are the, some of the other bigger ones? I think there is four main languages. Um, um, there is Swahili. Okay. There is um, French. Um, there is, I think there is 
Lingala or Kikongo. Mm. I could be wrong those two, but it's there's four of them. Let me see. Yeah, I think Lingala, maybe, uh, I mean, how big is Kenya Rwanda? Well, that's where it comes, it becomes a little bit, you know, uh, right. political. Uh, I don't, Kenya Rwanda is not from the Congo. Okay. Yeah, it's it's from Rwanda. That's what it's okay. called, Kenya Rwanda. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. But then it gets crossed, it gets brought over all these borders because of all the conflict and people migrating and moving so often because of all these conflicts. You're right, you're right. Yeah, that's crazy. So the the big conflict that was happening, um, this had to be in like early 2000s that your your parents said, all right, got to get the family out of Congo because it's all this war is happening. They went to Tanzania and as soon as they crossed that border in Tanzania, then uh, the authorities in Tanzania tell your family, okay, you got to stay here in the camp until we figure something out. Yeah, it's 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 pretty much what happens in all countries. Um, mm. Once you're in the, uh, once you are in the, in the camp, um, you're not a citizen of anywhere. Technically, right. if you're born in the camp, you're not a citizen of anywhere. Right. So you can apply for citizenship in that country, or you can also apply for other countries, and that's what we did. Um, my parents tried to apply. They were like, "Well, in the Congo, it's you know, it's not really." You know safe at the moment you know and we want to like build and we want to like be a citizen somewhere else right why can we just apply here or other countries so they started applying in that camp and fortunately there is a lot of people a lot of countries you know migrations and immigrations they come and look at people files and stuff and they read over them they see their problems they're like well even the, the country you're in you know you can get citizenship in there yeah so what was it for you? Do you know much about that? Why? What was it about you being eventually uh, being invited to come to the United States versus other countries? Or was the United States the main one that your family decided to apply for and you were kind of putting all your eggs in that basket, so to speak? Yeah, technically it's like, I would call it luck or, you know, it's just like they just pick. Mm. So you take your application, you send it to the migration or immigration of um, Tanzania and they review it and they say well we don't want to take you and then they say well there's other countries that want to take people right so they put that whole application in the basket and then a country can come over like well I take this right or I like this one right. I want that one right so it could be in England it could be in Australia it could be in Tanzania you know and we got picked up by United States mm. um I don't know why, but I think that sometimes people like people just gossiping around. They were like, "If you got picked up by United States, it's because your family was bigger." Mm. So it could be that, but I don't really know why we got picked up by United States. Yeah, you do have a big family. What, oh yeah, how many kids in it's, the family? <laughs> it's a trained family. It's, <laughs> it's big. Um, my mom and dad have um, twelve kids. So, and then my grandma is included. Right. So that's 14 plus a grandma that's 15 total. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that is that is a very big family when it comes to <clears throat> the immigration side of things and refugee resettlement. Uh, you know, a little bit of the, I mean, the work I do outside of the podcast is around refugee resettlement. And that is that was, 
we would say that's a very large family to come and resettle. But yeah, I would I would think in in terms of resources and things that we have for families, the United States maybe is better resource to be able to to help out larger families and we're of course happy to have you you, Thank you, you. came to the united states 20 i'm guessing 15 2014 14 i was close yeah. so you you and your family lived how many years is that then that you lived in a, a camp in tanzania before you were invited to come to the united states because i was born in 98 so they came in 90 Seven, I would say seven or ninety six. Ninety eight. Na- yeah. They came ninety seven. Okay. They they came to Tanzania in ninety seven. Yeah. And so you were living in a refugee camp from ninety seven till two thousand fourteen. Yeah. Wow. That's a long time. That's yeah, that's one of the longer periods of time that I've heard about. You know, I've heard of other families that live in refugee camps for a long period of time, but fifteen plus years, that's that, <laughs> yeah. that's a long time. It's a long time, yeah. Is it is it one of those things where, I mean, I already know this about your family that your your family is pretty adaptable and flexible and smart and you, you, your parents take care of your you as kids. You think it's your parents' capability to just be adaptable and be flexible in that sort of situation and just help you and your family understand like, hey, this is our situation. We're waiting for our turn to hopefully go to the United States or somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, I think when you're in the camp, you have two main uh, goals. The first one is, you know, you are trying, let's say praying, that your country can get better so you can go back. Mm, mm. And also you're like, well, I don't want to go back because this and this and this, Mm -hmm. um, it's not safe for me. Then you start trying to go somewhere else. Right. So there, there, there are people in there that were like, they are like, I don't want to go anywhere else. I'm going to wait in this camp until it gets better there. Right. Then I'll go back. Right. And other people are like, I don't care. It gets better. I can go back. If it doesn't get better, I can just apply anywhere else. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good point that a lot of people don't really understand about uh, refugee resettlement in the program is that. The, probably the majority of people are just wanting their country to go back to normalcy, peace, no war, so that you could go back and just have a normal life. They're not necessarily looking for, um, you know, sometimes we use the word handout, a handout from the United States for you to come here. You, your family probably would have been just as happy, well off, if you got to go back to the Congo in a peaceful situation. But as you said, there's all these other factors that go into it where, I, life keeps going and I want my kids and my family to have opportunity so if that comes in the United States we're, we're taking that opportunity you're right you're right because to be honest the, like when I was in the camp um, I think you're a little bit behind from mm, other people sure if you're in a camp it could be I could be I could be uh, I could be wrong I mean it could be wrong because I'm looking at, at the perceptive where I was yeah um I don't know about other camps, but where I was, I feel like kids, if you grew up in there and you grew up like, you know, you go to school there, you get a diploma, whatever, um, and then you start having kids too on your own. Um, and then when you go somewhere else, you're going to see that you're still behind. Mm. Um, just growing up there, 
it's it's better to be like growing up in your own country and you learn how to like live in your own country like right. to be a citizen yeah where you just in a camp and you just you get handouts and there's not much to do like literally in a camp there's you can live in a camp and there's stuff that you don't know that you have to go outside of the country or outside of camp to yeah. actually understand oh this thing ha- exists oh this exists because right. you live in a place where it's just it's limited yeah you know so you become like a little bit behind in terms of like uh learn how to work learn how some education too is a little bit lower because right. you know it's 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 not really well funded either yeah they don't have a like formal school or yeah, education process for yeah, you there yeah. it's there but like it's not like better quality education right so i feel like it's better to be in your own country than being in a camp because people that are in a camp usually you can you're gonna be a little behind than the ones that are living in their own countries yeah yeah and I mean, especially like a situation like yours where you were born in the camp and you didn't know anything else. So like you probably have had several moments where you learned about new things. And like you said, you felt maybe a little bit behind about something. You learn new things. You're like, well, I never knew this before. That's yeah. kind of crazy or whatever it might yeah. be. Yeah. It actually, like um, it's a little interesting because the way I came, it was a little bit harsh than mm. how people like how they're doing it right now i think right now it's a little better uh when i was actually li- like when we got accepted by the united states um we go there it's where they take us out of out of that camp right so you go like in these tanzanian cities and stuff and you start saying oh <laughs> this is strange this is new right like people are living differently you know what i mean right. than than you are living there yeah so like you start seeing things that you actually didn't get a chance to see when you were in the camp yeah that would be such a a mind-boggling experience you know going to a city for the first time experiencing all that came with it how what was the timeline from when you got notification that you were able to come to the united states and actually being able to travel to the united states what was that timeline like oh yeah that's actually a very good question um (laughs) Man, that was a hustle, I would tell you. <laughs> um, we got accepted in 2013. Okay. Actually. And then they tell you, back then, now it's different. Like mm. Back then, it's like you're hiding it. Like you're like in the whole camp, you're hiding it. Like, oh, you, you don't want to be notified. You don't want to tell other people that you actually got picked. Mm. So you're hiding it that you're living. Um, we got picked in 2013, and then we uh, they told us a... Uh, United States wants to uh, interview you and see if you can be a potential. You can you, see if you're a potential to go uh, to be picked. You know to go to the United States. So, and they give us two weeks to get ready, and that's when you leave the camp and you go meet those people from the United States. I don't know if they're from the migration, but those are probably from the CC something. I think you, you're familiar with that. It's like CC with maybe like Catholic Community Services or maybe like International Office of Migration that are yeah. uh, partnering to kind of do this whole process. Yeah, yeah. there's yeah there there are some people in your I think in your community. I think mm. um, those ones are a little nicer. You know, they when you go there, we got picked from there, and we were there for two weeks and um, pictures. They take pictures. Um, they take all the information you give them, like kid's name, you know, like the case, like mm. why you're there, like why right. don't you want to go back to the Congo, like why do you need this, you know, 
why do you need why do you need this uh, opportunity to go somewhere else right. other than your own country? Yeah. So they get all the information. They're not really asking you like a lot of questions. They're asking you just the information that you have, right. and then they they put that in a in a file. They put that in a computer and stuff. They right. store that. And that was 2014, I think. 2014, 20, yeah. Um, let me think. 2013. Okay. And then June 2014, we went back for the migration. Okay. So, so you travel back to the city. Yeah. To actually get on the plane. Yeah. For the migration. No, for the migration. Migration is where they actually interview you. Oh, okay. To All make right. sure that you're actually not lying about that information. Okay. So we have people from like U.S. Army. Mm. Actually interviewing you, they're asking you all this question. Why do you think you deserve to go to the United States? Uh, Stuff like that. It was a little bit, you know, a little intimidating. Yeah, a little bit intense because you can actually fail. Uh, a lot you, of pressure. Yeah, out of pressure. If you make, like, let's say, like you have twelve kids, right? And they look at the file. They ask you, um, "Can you tell me all your kids' birth dates?" <laughs> if you mess up one, then. They're gonna start questioning you. Yeah, then you're literally they can you can fail. Like there's people that I know right now they're still in the camp because they failed some questions. Right. Yeah. Because they're trying. I mean, I imagine they're trying to like determine if you're if that's your kid or if that's somebody else's kid. And yeah. So, I don't know though, cause like. But it's kind of stupid because, like we just talked about, culturally, names, birth dates, and all that sort of thing is like. In Western culture, in American culture, oh, there's like all super important in all of our legal documents and everything. But other other places, like you might not celebrate birthdays. You know, names of the kids might be significant. They might not be significant based upon family history or whatever. Yeah, I think I think I think the problem was it could have been it could have been the names because it was so intense. But usually, immigration when you hear immigration, it's a little intense. Right. Um, because we have 12 kids, so like, like my my dad, my dad, my mom and dad have 12 kids. And the guy was looking at the names. In America, you'll be like, well, this is my brother, we're gonna have the same last name. Yeah. But some of my sisters, they don't have the same last name right. as me. Right. So it's like, are you sure this is your kid? You know, yeah. they're asking you, like, very intense. And you have to answer all those questions. If right. you miss one of the questions, you know, because they have uh, the file and they look at the file, what you say and what they see at the file doesn't match, you're probably gonna fail. And when you fail, I don't know how they do it over there. Mm. When you fail, it looks like they put you on the bottom of the basket. Mm, yeah, bottom of the list now. Yeah, so now you're like, they. I don't know if they put a stamp on it, like, well, it can be trusted. Uh. So nobody picks you up, you'll stay in a camp like forever. I don't know why they do that though. I don't. That's but crazy. Right now, I think I heard it's different. You know, they don't even ask you all those questions. They don't. They don't take years to like within the process because because of how it was. You know, it was 2013. A year in between right. to go see the immigration. Right. Immigration. I mean, and then three months to go back for checkup. So that's when you do all these um, like medical exams and stuff. Right. Um, and then you go back again after like a month or two for. Um, Orientation, so right. they teach you about America, you know, the weather, the people, mm. stuff like that. Was that help? Like, did that do anything for you? Was that helpful? Like to get that cultural orientation before you left, or was it like? Oh yeah, some of it. Like nine one one, I didn't know what that was. Okay. Because back then, you know, like in the camp, twenty fourteen, I could count people that have phones, you know, like cell phones or smartphones. It's true. Yeah. So like, you don't really, 
know what's happening in the United States. Or right. Like, you know, like you only hear news, oh, it's like this. You don't really have the picture. Sure. So now I think it's different. You know, people, a person that's in that camp right now, they probably have like a cell phone. They can see people on Facebook. They yeah. can see all that. Yeah. Instagram. So back then I didn't know. Like yeah. I didn't even like seeing the picture was something new. You know, oh, it snows. Oh, it's that. It's this. Yeah. So it was pretty different. Was there anything else that you remember that surprised you a lot? I mean, learning about 911, that's important, but was there anything else that surprised you that when you heard about United States and coming to the United States? Well, um, they talked about um, time. Okay. They talked about time. management? Time. Yeah, time. Uh, they talked about time, and they talked about um, appointments. <laughs> so, <laughs> growing up, I'm like, uh, I don't have appointments. I just show up to things. Like, yeah. like hospital, you just go to a hospital. Right. Like, if you're, um, you don't really call and say, well, I'll be there this day. You just show up. Right. So, they tell you up there, they tell you that, well, they, you know, they value you showing up on time on their appointments. You know, they put dates that you should be attending that, that appointment. And you have to be on time, you know, they value time. So that was something, you know, very strange to me. Yeah. You know? That is a, it seems like to be a point of emphasis a lot is about the appointments and time and keeping your appointments and all the, those sort of things, which it sounds like just culturally is not, not the same. But I mean, obviously living in camp, there's can't be very many appointments, oh, yeah. right? Oh yeah, it's limited. It's, it's very limited there. But would you say that your parents, even culturally, was that the same for your parents or culturally, like these appointments, how their culture, their community operated, wasn't really appointment-based, time-based? I think um, the way they grew up, you know, I feel like they had it, but it wasn't as as how I saw mm. it on that orientation. Right. Yeah, like, it they made it seem like it was a big deal. And actually is, because sometimes here, if you don't show up to your appointments or a hospital appointment, they charge you, mm. charge you money. Mm -hmm. So I think they had it, you know, they had a point and then they had a point to, to tell you that you have to be careful when you're not showing up to things like that. Yeah. I imagine that's one of the, the bigger adjustment pieces for a lot of people is like, now I got all the schedule. I have to follow my schedule. And, this person's calling me to come here at this time. This person called me here to come this time. We had an appointment to meet today to do a, a podcast. And so, yeah, it's interesting to think about. And I like exploring these topics because these are things that, like, often people don't think about is all these differences and changes that somebody has to go through in this whole process. And it's quite incredible that you come out, you know, you come out the other side and you're able to adjust and be flexible and figure things out and be successful would you got here and you were what you would have been an 18 year old 17 or 18 i was 16 17 okay yeah so the first grade you went into was june 10th. 10th grade yeah okay so you had some time to try to navigate high school and figure that out and graduate was that like a a huge thing as well because like you said not like really a formal education in the camp but now go to high school man figure it out oh yeah um because when I came, you know, I, back then, home, I was mm. taking some English class. Mm. Um, there's no English at all there. Like, you have to go out on your own to learn that, you know, because over there, it's, it's mainly French. Okay. So you go to school, French. Right. And if you're going to learn English, it's like an hour mm. 
or less than an hour, 45 minutes a week. Okay. And it's really nothing. Right. You, know? you don't learn any English. Right. So I was taking some classes, you know, not in school. It's just, it's something that you pay and then you learn. Okay. Um, but it wasn't enough, you know, to like, when I came over, it was still, I was still struggling to like say words and stuff. Um, and, and when I went to high school, I was like, well, this is kind of hard. It's, it's challenging. You have yeah. to learn the language, you know? Yeah. Um, I would say my, like that first year, 10th grade, it was a little hard. Right. Cause you're trying to like feel comfortable to say words, you know, like to, to be able to talk to people just cause, yeah. you know, when you're learning the language, you're gonna have this fear of like saying things wrong. Yeah. So sometimes some people are just like, well, I'm just gonna stay quiet. Yeah. You know, I'm not gonna say much. But for me, it was a little. I'm usually like outgoing, so it was easier for me to like talk to people. But it was horrible. It was really bad. It was. I remember actually like uh, we had Jelani. Uh, yeah. One day for soccer, <laughs> when when he took me to the tryouts, and I remember that day that you had to, Jelani had to translate for me. You know, because I couldn't say any word. Right, you know? right. So it was like that. But after that, you know, like, 10th grade was more of, like, listening and li- repeating. Like, I repeat the words people were saying. 11th grade, I started, like, to get a little bit comfortable mm. with, with the language. And then, and then it started getting better right after that. Yeah, it seems like, you know, obviously, I think the younger you are, probably the faster you pick it up. You're right. And, you know, you're almost pretty much forced to pick it up pretty quickly because if you're going to school every day and seven hours of your day is English, 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 only people talking to you in English, you're kind of forced to adjust. But some people do better than others. It seems like, you know, you did pretty well to to adjust quickly. And even though I, I remember that time that I did take you to that soccer trial and I remember you were still able to communicate pretty well. It I was, mean, but it wasn't yeah, as good as now. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, you've improved a lot now, but like, good enough that I felt comfortable taking you. And I think, I mean, you were probably a little nervous, but you probably felt comfortable enough to communicate with people on the team about soccer. Maybe some of those things come a little bit easier, like all the the lingo and language for soccer comes right. a little bit faster. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was fun. I think it was a roller coaster, but it was fun. Yeah, it seems like it is something that once that process starts, it really takes a lot of energy and effort to keep up with it because it is a roller coaster. We pretty much, you know, helping you and your family, like all these other people in the community, trying to help you out, and it's just like one thing after another, and expect you to do this, expect you to do that, expect you to do well enough to graduate and expect you to take care of all your siblings and help us out with that as well. So it comes really fast. And I think you and your family did a really excellent job with all of that. And I'm, I'm curious if you have like perception yourself or maybe like even your family's talked about it. What, what do you think it was? What, what were those factors that made your family successful in that process? In what kind of way? Like, just in general, I perceive, and maybe you can change my perception, I perceive your family as a family that adjusted well, adjusted pretty quickly, um, kind of there was this perception that you and your family felt pretty comfortable, even though it was a probably huge adjustment, that there was this sort of comfort that you guys, uh, like, oh, okay, 
the Missy family is going to, they're doing well. You know, we're supporting them. They're doing well. And may, like I said, that's just my perception. So you can tell me like, oh, no, Peter, it was a, a real struggle for a long time. Or you can say like, oh, no, I felt like these are the things that really helped us out. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, when you come to a new country, you know, you're going to struggle. Like, mm. you're going to, um, you, you're learning new stuff. Like, I remember when we were new, you know, we didn't have a car or anything. So we had to, like, walk to Smith, you know, mm. to buy groceries and stuff. Right. You know, and we had to use those carts. Right. You, know, you would like, take the carts and just walk <laughs> all the way home. Stuff like that, you know, paying yeah. bills. I remember I was the one that was, you know, because I had a little bit English in me. Like, right. just, but it was, it was hard because... I was the one that wasn't paying bills and stuff. Like, uh, I had to call, and if the bills comes in, I had to call over the phone. Uh, and I think that was the hardest thing that uh, I had to do. Cause, that's probably scary. Yeah, it was. It was every single time there was like a like a lady over the phone try to, you know, I'm trying to pay the bill. I just couldn't hear them yeah. for some reason. Right. Yeah, the high pitch voice, which <laughs> couldn't do it for me at all. It was. I was, to be honest, I was always terrified. Every single time my parents were like, well, there's new bills, we gotta go pay. So I learned a new thing to do it. So I went, I think it was Kevin. Kevin told me, hey, if you can't call these people, just go to Smith and tell them to get a money order. Uh, and you can pay that way. It was easier for me that way. Very easy. But it was a then struggle. You, then you'd send the money order in. Yeah, I would just send the money order. It was, it was faster that way. Uh, yeah, yeah. Those those little things that you never think about, and this is actually something that we talk about. We meaning um, nonprofit agencies in the community that are trying to help families adjust and help youth adjust. We talk about this shift of power, where now you, as a sixteen-year-old kid, seventeen-year-old kid, you're put in charge of paying family bills. Me, back when I look at myself as sixteen and seventeen-year-old, I was never required to pay bills or learn how to do that for my own family but because like you said you had that little bit of english and your family gave you that responsibility you took that on that's uh, that's a that's a huge thing did you feel that sort of shift of kind of power like there's some power like i learned i've learned english faster than the rest of my family so now i have a little bit more power do you feel that shift a little bit i did i did for a time but it gets annoying, you know. Yeah, I'm sure it you does got get, now too much responsibility. It gets it gets annoying at this point. To this day, I still have my parents like somebody comes to the door like we're specific. <laughs> I have like three sisters, <laughs> professional English, no accent, nothing. They can just easily talk, but they trust me <laughs> now better than anybody else in the house. I'm like, well, is that because I just, just did this all the time? I need a break now. <laughs> right. Yeah, but at the time it was like, well, if I'm not there, things might go a little bit. Yeah, the other the other way. So I've also seen some kids that recognize that power. Some youth in teenage years that recognize the power that they're now kind of the spokesperson of the family. They can speak English. They can understand the system a little bit more because they're in it. Yeah. And then they use that power for their advantage to kind of manipulate maybe their parents, the system, manipulate. Uh, I don't know situations. Why? What was it for you that was like? I'm going to be good about this. I'm not going to manipulate my power. Maybe, maybe you did take advantage of your power sometimes. Not really. I think it was, for me, it was a learning experience. Okay. Um, um, it's, it's, I would call it like a, a skill. Yeah. Because I developed that skill of like, 
translating. Yep. I can easily translate right now English to Swahili easily. Cause right. I was always doing that right. all the time. Right. You know, word to word, I can easily translate that. Now, you know, any job you can give me to translate from Swahili to, to, to English or English to Swahili, it's easier now because, you know, I, I've been doing that all the time. Right. You know, I remember, I think a year ago, I was actually translating uh, translating for, um, it was I think it was CCS. Okay. Uh, they had these classes where they taught people about trauma and stuff, and they called me over to go translate. So it was, you know, it's I think it, it's a skill that I took, sure, uh, that I learned just right. from doing that. So it's pretty helpful. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a huge skill. But I'm also kind of talking about this general power power that you have now because now you're like like you said, like your your parents are coming to you for uh, help and guidance on all these things that they're also learning. So you now have power because you have information. You know how things work. So some people will take that power and like make it so that their curfew to come home on the weekends is later because they just tell their parents what they need to tell them or whatever it is. You know, like uh, what, what was it about your power that came with respect for your parents as well? Oh, yeah. I, I pretty much didn't, you know, like, take advantage of it like mm. oh I have this power now I can lie to my parents and at the same time I feel like my parents didn't have this um, they were not really strict about that like mm. you know let's say like coming late or anything right you know I they, they didn't really they trusted you yeah but I really personally I'm I'm what do you call a homebody guy okay I, so it wasn't so really it was, a thing for you it was very like it mm. was it was rare for me to be outside unless mm. I'm playing soccer or something like that right. but it wasn't I wasn't I could be different from somebody else but for right. me it was they didn't have to you know get to that point because I was never that person I was yeah. never I'm usually home because I don't know what you call lame a boring person yeah. <laughs> yeah so usually like the time like 12 you know usually I'm usually home unless unless I'm out in college mm. or I'm playing soccer somewhere else right but they knew that I you know they trusted me in that way that's cool. I, I love to hear that. And I love to hear that, you know, you also took that trust and used it wisely. I think sometimes the youth that I've seen don't always use that trust wisely and sometimes manipulate the situation. So I'm just always curious about what are these other factors that help somebody manipulate it for good rather than manipulate it for bad. Yeah. So if you were to go back to that 16, 17-year-old self, your sophomore, junior, senior in high school, what are some of the other things that you felt <clears throat> really helped you like, be a successful student, be a successful person in general? Well, uh, I would say, first of all, I would say, you know, my personality, I would mm. say that. Okay. I usually like I, I usually like thank my personality a lot, which comes from God. I'll say you know. Okay. Thanks God for that. Okay. Um, because I've seen it a lot. I've seen a lot of kids. We can have like these communities around us, trying to help us, but if you don't take advantage of it, you're not gonna learn anything. Mm. You know, with me, I was like, well, I'm talkative. How can I, you know, I cannot make useful of this. Mm. So. Coming from the uh, the other country, sixteen, you know, seventeen, I was like, well, I can talk a lot. If I can talk a lot, why don't I just go talk with people? Like, mm -hmm. remember Sunnyvale? I was always the one that's like asking questions. You know, it's true. Yeah, you know, like talking to people. Even though I, you know, like I remember, like sometimes I was lost 
mm. I couldn't explain. And I was like, I talked, I think it was Kevin. I asked Kevin, how do you say this? Mm. You know, like in a better way. Right. Explain me. You say, I got lost. I remember uh, that actual yeah, word, yeah. I got lost. So it's like, if you're shy, like most of the time when you're shy, yeah, um, and not wanting to like learn and go out things and learn, it's a little hard for you. Because yeah. I have a brother right now that, um, he struggle with the English because he's a little bit reserved and okay. he can't. You can't learn if you're if you're trying to learn language. You can't. Yeah. <clears throat> you can't learn if you're a little bit reserved. You have to go out there and a little get bit it. harder. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say personality. Um, I would also say uh, parents. Okay. I guess. Yeah. Um, I think that's a huge thing. Yeah, I would say parents because. Um, I think, um, I would say parents also, I would say sports. Okay, yeah. Um, my parents, I would say as a parent, as African parents are a little strict. Um, they they had a whole perspective of like, like you know, communities and stuff, mm. you know. Um, they tell you that, you know, you come from this place and you, if you're trying to succeed, you have to look at people that are successful. Mm. Yeah. So I'm not gonna lie to you, at Sunnyvale, when I got there, I personally think it was a little bit rough neighborhood. 2014, it was rough. Yeah, no, it, it still is. It still has its rough parts for yeah. sure. And as a young, as a young kid, you seeing that and you try to fit in, that's how you go, you know, you go wrong. You know, like you start getting yourself in trouble. For me already, my parents were already like, well, if you come from this place, why do you need to get yourself in more trouble? Know what I mean? Like, sure, yeah. So I think I took that, you know, very seriously. I was like, well, like, what's, what is it bet? And I'm like, what do you get from that? Sure, yeah. So if I, I, I really like that, and I think this provides really good perspective for a lot of people, but if I were to try to, to summarize a little bit of those points, I think the first point you were trying to make is, like, your personality allowed you to ask for help. Yeah. Like, your personality, you were never afraid to, like, talk, ask questions, ask for help. Kevin, how do I say, hey, I got lost, or, you know, and then there was even that point where you and I, you know, we have a mutual love for soccer. And so we were talking about soccer a lot. And so you expressed an interest of wanting to play on a team. And so I did what I could to help you connect to that team. And I would do that for anybody that came and asked me, but you were the one that actually came and asked me to, to help you, you know, connect with that sort of stuff, right? Correct, yeah. yeah. I came to you, I was like, hey man, I'm trying to be a professional soccer player. How can I do it? And you directly thought of it, you were like, well, let me put in clubs. I didn't know what clubs were, mm. you know? And I feel like if I didn't ask you that, I would have known. Right. Like, I could have even gotten any, any clubs or anything like that. Yeah. Because I had to ask. I was like, well, I need to get into this. Even I remember even at high school, I asked my counselor that, that I'm trying to get into clubs. So you have to go out, you have to go ask, you know, you have to, you know, you, have, you need to stop being afraid and ask for help sometimes, you know. Yeah. Do you think that's part of your culture? Like the, is Congolese the right word to say? The Congolese culture or the culture from the Congo in general, like asking is is cool and like uh, rewarded? Because I, I feel like there are sometimes these cultural barriers to just asking. Like people don't want to ask because they feel 
shy or feel like oh, I'm bothering somebody or, or whatever it might be? I think it's 50-50. Okay. Yeah. I think sometimes, you know, like, comes from the person. Okay. You know, you might be from that culture, but you're not really, like, you don't Shouldn't have to stop you. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like it was just mean kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, I respect that, and I like that. I think that's a, a good cultural answer in general. I think there's these parts of every person's culture that we could give ourselves some of, sort of excuse of not taking action or taking action, but then we just got to re- recognize that for ourselves. Like, well, I'm I'm me. I can make this decision despite what my culture tells me or whatever it might be. So I respect that. We talked a little bit before we started recording about, unfortunately, some uh, youth that also arrived to Utah as refugees that had rougher paths and have got involved in gangs and other things that are not good um from your youth perspective and seeing these things happen from a youth level i mean what do you see i mean i can see all these things as an adult somebody trying to run community programs but what do you see with all that Hmm. it's hard um Can you little, can you frame a little bit of that? Yeah, like my perspective. I mean, I was I was saying this a little bit is like us adults and adults. I'm meaning like these community service providers, nonprofits that are always trying to like make a difference. We do such a good job of like sitting together as adults and brainstorming ways that we can better help youth and better help youth to have positive, successful outcomes, like like yourself. You know, you went to school, you graduated, you went to college, you played on a club soccer team, and now you're the, uh, a contributing adult to our community, and you can speak, like, across from somebody about all the things that have made you successful. Um, sometimes, as adults, we don't get to do a good job of, like, just listening, like, you know, to you and what's successful, and listening to, like, a different perspective, a youth perspective of where youth might go wrong when it comes to gangs and violence and drugs and all that. Do you you have a perspective on where youth, you know, what influences youth on those sort of decisions? I think it's it's about trying to fit in. Mm. You're trying to fit in. Um, It can also be about um, the the environment you're in. Mm. Um, Because growing up, I didn't know what gangs were. Mm. I don't know what gangs is. Yeah. And that's what, like, that's what, like, my dad said. If you don't know what gang is, you know, that means something new to you and you don't think it helps you in any any kind of way, what do you need it for? Yeah. You know, it's 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 always going to be there. You know, it's it's been there. What do you think you need to be in there for it? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I feel like for many kids, young kids, usually they, they see their friends doing it. They think it's cool. Mm-hmm. And that's about like you know that ten ten years you just you just want to fit in with friends yeah and that happens with where you are living right you know for me the best thing to do I don't know I just think it's to move I don't know like for me I think it's to move because sometimes teenagers they don't want to listen mm. like you can as a as a parent you can tell them you know they'll think that you're just being annoying parent right but. You know, as a parent, I feel like sometimes, you know, like with teenagers, words are not really enough. Yeah. You have to put action into it and yeah. just move them, you know, move them around. 
the environment too like you know for me i feel like a lot of kids that came and like got into like them stuff and that 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 stuff because they see it there and they mm. see the friends doing it right and they're like well this is cool let me do it too right because they don't see the consequences at you know up front right they think it's cool for them right but they don't really see the consequence right there sure and once they get far too deep into it it's a little hard to get out yeah yeah i think that's exactly it is once you take some steps in that direction it's really hard to get back out because there's such a a big influence and a big grab for those uh youth to stay in that gang or stay involved or, or do whatever it might be and i like the it's just the concept that you mentioned of just moving like what are we doing as just an individual to move about our community and that movement for you look like playing sports look like you know now i i see you lifting weights all the time um i see you getting involved in like the fashion and fun things like that that you seem to genuinely enjoy you're moving and doing these things that you enjoy which of course takes up all your time you can't do make stupid decisions because you're you're spending your time doing good things right you're right you're right yeah on the on the lighter side of of the fashion aspect of things i i love to see you do post you know it hasn't happened as much as you have you taken a little bit of a a slight break from the fashion side of things but you were posting the pictures of you know outfits fashions modeling these sort of things that i really enjoyed and i enjoyed it maybe more because one time i saw this little documentary piece about Congo being like the fashion capital of Africa, right? Oh yeah, the Congolese are the ones that, <laughs> you know, it's the bright side of fashion. Yeah, you know, um, yeah, it's like you know, like it's 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 out there. The news is out there. Um, the Congolese are the ones that love to have these fancy designer clothes. Yeah, um, yeah. I you know I kind of have like I grew up that in that environment. People like dressing up, looking good and stuff. <laughs> You know, like I got influenced from that, and okay. also I've like since a young age, I've always liked the the fabric. Like okay. just looking at like how like the clothing, how it's made. Okay. So it made me like more interested in in like wearing it more. So you know, um, when I went to college, you know, I had more time on my hand. Mm-hmm. I, like, I want to be an influencer, you know, and then I started like taking pictures because like in high school I was doing it, but it, it wasn't as as much because I didn't have much time. You okay. know, I had soccer, I had homework, I had all these things. In college, I feel like in college for me it was a little bit because I lived on campus, so I didn't have to work or anything. So it was I had a lot of time on my hand. Sure. So I was trying to, um, I was trying to like get into these like you know like e-commerce like mm-hmm. you know trying mm-hmm. to get in, into e-commerce like modeling stuff like that, and I did it for a while. You know. I did it for a while, like the entire time I was in college, and then for some reason I got busy. Mm, life gets busy, man. Yeah, I got a little busy because sometimes, like when you're doing something like that, you have to be consistent for a while. You know, sure. not a lot of people like get it, but like you have to be consistent for like a year or two, three years, and then you start getting sponsorship from um, from other brands. Sure. I did that. I I did it like. You know, email you know, like email a lot of brands, mm-hmm. but they would tell me, "Well, you have to come back in here because you know you're following. You know, your followers are low and low and low and low." So it was, it was more of that. And then I got busy, so 
it took it took me a step back. Yeah. Yeah. But I st- I'm still doing it. You still like it? You're yeah. still passionate about it? I'm still yeah, I'm still here and there, but it wasn't it wasn't as it was before. Yeah. That's cool though. I I really enjoy seeing it and I I like that side of things in terms of like new new people coming into our community and bringing that sort of thing. Like I would have never known or thought about the Congo being the fashion capital of the world but then all these people that I've met from the Congo I'm like it makes sense they're all so well dressed and they all want to be well dressed and when they go out with all their friends you know it it almost seems like there's this little bit of a would you say even like little friendly competition of like who has the best fashion they call it sape the the Congolese would, would rather go hungry they're not having those designer clothes. <laughs> they would rather look all sharp, you know? Like, yeah. they just, they love that. They love to look, you know, yeah. sharp all the time. Yeah, it's went, their culture thing. I went into a, a Congolese family's house and their shoe collection was was, <laughs> was on point. And they, like, all the fashionable <laughs> shoes and everything. I was like, oh, I respect that, you know? priorities right (laughs) (laughs) you're right you're right (laughs) that's awesome well uh, you know i know we got to wrap up here and let you go in a a few minutes but i always at the end end of these podcasts since it's a community-based podcast you know hopefully people from our salt lake community our utah community listen to this and learn a a thing or two about you and about people in our community but is there anything else that you want to put out there in the community, like a message or anything in general that you want to put out into the community for people to hear? That could be about, you know, like your experience coming as a, as a refugee and wanting to advocate for people in the community to be good to refugees, or it could be about fashion. It could be about whatever you want, man. Well, something that I would like to add, um, it's about like, the kids that are coming from other countries okay all in general and i see what they struggle with is i feel like we should uh this is just my opinion no oh, yeah so like yeah. i feel like the guys that are like you know like the community that we have should help us um like just move them around like they don't have to like just move them around in terms of school mm. uh, or try to mix them around too like with school because I've seen like a lot of them go to one school and it's only them one school. Mm. It's harder for them to learn anything because it's just a bunch of those kids that come from other countries. They don't speak English. They don't learn anything because right. they don't have anything to share. Right. You have to have uh, a mixture of people to learn from other people. You mm. know what I mean? Like if you diversity, diversity, yeah. Mm. Like if you mix with people that are here, they can learn from you and you can learn from them. Yeah. But if you're all from the same place. It's a little hard for you, especially when it comes to English. Yeah. You know, it's like people still, like, you go to school, like, you start from, like, eighth grade and go to, like, this one school that everybody that doesn't speak the language, it's going to be hard for you. Yeah. In college and right. stuff like that. Yeah. So I feel like that should be, like, something that we can look at, you know, as a community. You know, like, I feel like the, what's that school? Um, Chowder thing. Um, Utah International. Yeah. I've seen a lot of kids that go there. In terms of like further education, it's a little hard for them. Yeah. Because I don't think they learn much there. They meet their friends that speak the same language, and then they don't really push themselves in English. Is that that sort of example? Yeah. Yeah. Because because you've got to learn mm-hmm. the language mm-hmm. or at least the culture. Right. So you know to to do better in that in right. that community. You know? Yeah. 
So I feel like, you know, if we put a little bit of diversity in I don't know how we can do that. Right. It's a know. tough question when it comes to the how. But, yeah, I think that's that's a great point. And I think that, you know, these are the, the larger conversations that are kind of continually happening about, like, diversity and integration. Like, there's some advocates that are strong for what you just said. Let's let's make sure that there's a good diversity and mix of folks here and we do a good job of integra- integrating new youth. But then there's also those advocates that are like, oh, it's better if, you know, they're, they're in a place like Utah International because they have, then they can get more specialized attention for what they're going through, what they need. I think there's pros and cons to both, but I, lo- I love to hear your opinion because your opinion is more powerful. You have a lived experience. Yeah, because the thing is, though, you you can go into a different culture, right, and learn from them. It doesn't mean that you don't want to embrace your own culture. Mm. You're just learning. Right. Now you have two, so it's more, you're more powerful now. Right. You you know your own culture, and you know somebody else's culture. Yeah. So I think it's better to, you know, at least, you know, when we had a um, Sunnyvale. Right. Sunnyvale uh, after school. Yep. Yeah. My opinion, I feel like, you know, how we would go, like, to other schools. Right. And, like, actually you know run those those after school in those you know different neighborhood yeah school i think that was helpful because you learn from those kids right they're different and you learn from them yeah but if you're all together one part it's just especially for me i think with english if you're learning english it's just gonna be hard for you yeah and it's gonna make you a little bit shy to like like apply for your own jobs you know try to apply for colleges and stuff because all you know just your friends they're coming from other countries they don't you know, they don't know, let's say they don't know how to apply for these colleges and stuff. Right. How are you going to learn to, you know, if you want to go to college, how are you going to learn to do that? Yeah. You know, it has to be coming from you first. Exactly. And then you have to go ask for people. Yeah. I think it's a great point. And I think the the very basic underlying principle that you just described here is this principle of knowledge. Like, if we all want to gain more knowledge. Well, maybe not everybody, but a lot of us want to gain more knowledge. And the only way to gain more knowledge is to have a, a variety of experience. If I have all my experience in this neighborhood with only this school, only these people, it's going to be very limited. But if I expand that and get out, get out of my comfort zone, talk to other people, learn from other people, that's when, like you said, you become powerful, right? Because now you have now. two cultures, maybe three cultures, four languages. How many languages do you speak? I speak five now. Five, five languages. Like, you, you are a powerful guy <laughs> and you need to keep that moving and so I, I really love to hear that anything else you want to put out there in the community um i think that you know um i would also encourage if the community can help us you know with you know i feel like when i got to sunnyville it was a little brutal you know mm. um but i never learned anything about you know gangs and stuff right you know, before our Especially after these incidents that are happening, right? We can try to like educate the kids that are in those neighborhood and see like stay away from this. You know, you know, you can do better. You can do this. You know. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard. You know. Right. Like, when you're teaching these teenagers, oh, this is bad for you. It looks, you know, it it looks bad. They look at it like, well, they can look at you. Well, what, what are you trying to tell me? Right. But at the same time, you, they can look back to it like, well, he was trying to help. Right. So I feel like you know, you know, giving education. Is better than not giving any at all. Yeah, I, I agree. Let's give some education there. If people wanted to follow you or get to know you or contact you, what what would be the best way for people? Like Instagram, 
Facebook? What, what, what would you want people to follow you? And you can say, no, I'm cool. I don't want people to reach out to me, too. I mean, like, <laughs> I want people to reach out to me, but I don't think it's, I don't think in the politic, political way of things. Sure, yeah. Just you if know. you want to be Pacific's friend and take some fashion advice. Well, yeah. If you want to take pictures. P- you know. Pictures or hit the gym. Uh, he's a he's a ripped dude, yeah. so he could probably teach you a thing or two that that regard as well. Yeah, you can you can get my number. I think you have my number. You can uh, we don't want to give your number out on the podcast, but sure. maybe, uh, Instagram? Instagram, Instagram. What's I'm, your Instagram handle? I'm, I'm on Instagram all the time. What, what's your handle? What do you mean the handle? The, the name? Yeah, yeah, your name. Name's at, long. at Pacific Missy? Yeah. Okay. Pacific Missy. I think it's Pacific Missy Outfits. Oh, Outfits. Yeah, that's right. I'll put it... Every time we do one of these, we have little notes under the description of each one. And I'll put your your handle there so people can find you on the yeah. notes there. So check out the notes there. And I think I would also be admiss or be making a mistake if I didn't take one brief moment to ask you the uh, maybe the most important question of 2022 who's going to win the world cup <laughs> that's a hard question um i don't know france uh, maybe uh, they i they they might do it again they it's such a deep talented team they uh, they're going to be hard to beat but did you see that Denmark gave them a run for the money in the Nations League just, what was that, yesterday, I think? Denmark? Yeah, Denmark. I, didn't I, don't watch know, I don't know what the final score was, but I saw Denmark go up 2-0, and they... I was I watching know. I was watching the Netherlands one and okay. against Belgium. Oh, who won that one? Uh, Netherlands did. Oh. Belgium is horrible this year. Well, I know, and they're the ranked second in the world, and people are talking about Belgium being the ones that are going to win. I don't, I don't think so. No, I saw yeah. them playing yesterday. It's horrible. Yeah, and they played against Wells like over the weekend too, yeah. and they didn't do very well against them either. I mean, they beat them, but it was closer than it should be. Yeah, I want Brazil to to actually to win it. They, they I think they have a really good team. Brazil, France. <sighs> I want some African countries to win it, but yeah, yeah, that would that would. Be. This who, is the thing who do we though. We got from Africa right now in the in We it. have Ghana. We have um, Senegal. Egypt or no? Egypt is not in it because uh, they got eliminated by Senegal. Senegal, yeah. Senegal has a good team. Oh yeah, Senegal can do better, but like, I don't know why though. I don't understand why what happens there. But we always like we always have good players. We just never do anything in there, mm. like in the World Cup. I just don't know why. It's one of those things. I mean, United States has been that way for a while now. It's like we've got pretty good players, but there's something that ne- and doesn't happen. Come on, Peter. State, United States sucks. They, well, they, <laughs> they do. And that's what I'm saying is that there's these moments where you think that maybe we figured it out and we've been playing long enough that we can keep up with everybody else. But then, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if United States does not make it out of the group stage. I would not be surprised. Wait, did they qualify? Yeah, they're, they did? they're in with England, Wales, and Iran in the group uh, B, I think. I don't Wait, know. Wait, England, Wales, and Iran? Mm-hmm. They can beat Wales. They can, but then you think like guys on Wales like Gareth Bell and Aaron Ramsey that have been you know playing at the highest European level, that they might just have that something extra that's going to beat the United States. But England, I don't know. England also is one of those teams where, on paper, they got a really good team, good but team, then they yeah. always underperform. They never, yeah. Just like, yeah. just like Netherlands. Yeah, they it's have true. great players. I saw them yesterday; very fit players, but they never do anything. Yeah, 
it's just well hopefully right. for me i just i don't really like invest anymore into like i want to go and support this team to be honest call me whatever you want to call me i'm a bandwagon i'm just i'm just i'm gonna fall whatever that plays the better football you like the uh, you're falling out with the football yeah, yeah I'm, I'm pretty i mean i have a couple teams i like to watch but i'm pretty much the same way if it's a good game if i know it's going to be a good game yeah i don't care who's playing like what teams are playing i just want to watch even yeah. if it's like lower level premier league and i know it's going to be like a battle between aston villa and uh brentford or whatever like i'm about that let's watch that you know yeah, yeah. yeah. i don't want to invest in that anymore because it's too much more emotional damage you know <laughs> it's just for me it was like i was a chelsea fan all the time now i just i just don't have the heart anymore i don't want to yeah. get hurt anymore yeah I just just watch it especially chelsea they you invest in them too much they fire you right away oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> all right all right, Pacific. I really appreciate this, man. Thanks yeah. for taking the time. Yeah, I mean, first time doing something like this, it's gonna be, you know, be a little. You don't know what you're doing. Sometimes it's just. It was good though, right? It was easy, nice and easy conversation. We're just talking. I guess. <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> uh, appreciate this, and you know, I always invite people to come back again in the future. So your first time was great, and then next time will be even better. Yeah. For sure. Thanks. All right. Thanks, everybody. All right.